hear me now? You can hear me now. Amen. Good. But isn't this an exciting time of year to have an opportunity to give? Come on, give Jesus another hand clap. It's great. Are you ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Come on, stand to your feet and turn to Matthew's gospel, chapter number one. We officially kick off our Christmas series today. Matthew chapter number one. And I believe I'm going to start reading in verse number 18. And we're going to probably read down to verse number 21. And when you arrive there, say amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, verse 21, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind, and that is your son. God, we stand here this morning with a heart of gratitude, thankfulness that you loved us so much that you gave us your son. Now, God, I pray this morning that you will speak to every listener this morning, every heart that is open to receive. Father, I pray that you will pour an abundance of revelation and information that will lead to transformation. We want to be closer to you today. And all God's people said, amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence this morning. Unwrapping Christmas is our Christmas series. And one of the most exciting things that we like about Christmas is unwrapping gifts. Not only it's exciting for the receiver of gifts, but the giver as well. But in this series, we want to be unwrapping gifts that we hope to be passing along to others during this Christmas season. And so the first gift we're going to talk about in this series, we're going to unwrap the gift of salvation. Everybody say salvation. You know, when we think about Christianity, and in particular Christmas, since this is the season, Christmas is really a divine love story. It is a story about a God who refused to leave man in the condition that he was. As many of us know, that because of this great sin in the Garden of Eden, man was ultimately separated from God. But God did not leave us there, and it wasn't the end of the story. And so he sent Jesus into a very hostile environment called earth, a very sinful environment. He sends Jesus to come and to be that bridge to bring us back to God. As we are unwrapping gifts and we are so excited, can I say this? No matter what gift you are planning on giving someone this Christmas, and I know many of us already started your shopping You're going into the malls, you're really busy, you're starting to feel the pressure, you know, of how am I going to get this and how am I going to get that. Let me stop you for just one moment and say to you that the greatest gift that you can ever give anybody is Jesus Christ. Hands down, the best gift. There is no gift that is better. There is no gift that is greater 
than the gift of salvation. The Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessel. And my prayer is that we don't get so caught up in the environment that we forget that it is really about salvation. It is really about men coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I fear that sometimes as I set up this message, I sometimes fear that the church, that we don't do enough to emphasize salvation. Yes, I understand that we invite people to come to church and we tell them about all of our, our great programs and all that we have to offer. And I think that programs and service are great. I think it's a needed thing. I think we should be doing it. The Bible tells us to do it. But how many know that, that, that programs and service must lead to a relationship to Jesus Christ? Everything that we do, it is about the gift of salvation because that is our primary mission. This is our ministry. And so just telling people, for an example, to come to church, how many know that just telling people to come to church won't save them? It's a good start. But just saying Merry Christmas and giving out Christmas cards won't necessarily save people. How many know that church is not meant to be a, another social club, a big nursery, or just another activity center? The church is a place of restoration. It's a place of reconciliation, bringing folk back to God. It is the place where the redeemed of God gathers together and we worship Christ. It is a place where Jesus is the center of everything that we do. And if we're not careful, we'll, we will have a church that are filled with program seekers rather than seekers of Christ. I understand the reality check here to not having you know that not everybody who comes to church is looking for Christ. Can I get an amen? Are, are you there in the house? And that's Okay. Because it's up to us, to the people of God, to point them to Christ. How I many know we, we want people to come? We want people to be exposed to the reality of the gospel. But when they come, how I many know that it must be always about the gospel? And every program that we do must lead to an invitation to Jesus Christ. We do Mayfest. Mayfest is great. But how I many know Mayfest is supposed to lead people to Christ? We do children's ministry here. Great. But how many know that's supposed to be designed to lead people to Christ? We do worship here. Great. But how many know it's supposed to lead people to a relationship to Jesus Christ? And the list goes on and on and on. It is about salvation. It's the gift of salvation. And my fear, that, that, that my fear is that, that, that as a church, and I'm not just speaking about our church. I'm talking about the church in general, that, that we will become complacent and happy with just having people come but how many know that numbers alone doesn't mean that you have a growing church? Is anybody out there today? How many know that a growing church is defined by how many people, not, it's not defined by how many people fill the seats. It is defined by how many people are being saved and being transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you define a growing church. Now, now numbers it, obviously, numbers, numbers represent that, but numbers alone doesn't. And so, and, and this is kind of a firm because sometimes when I meet with my pastor friends, in particular the, the ones who have churches that are, that are fairly large, and, and one, of the, one of the questions all the time is, uh, how many numbers are you running? You know, and they kind of put their hand in their pocket. How many folk are you got? Because, because a lot of times it's all about the numbers, but how many know Numbers are important, but it's what, what is the character of those numbers? Are those people being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so our aim as a people of God is not just to have church. How I many know we want to be the church? We want to be people that are really have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. People's greatest need, hear me when I say this, people's greatest need is not a job. Maybe you came here this morning. You said, man, I, got, I, I need God to move. I need a job. Your greatest need is not a job. It's not a career. It's not a husband. Uh-oh. It's not a wife. 
It's not a house. It's, it's not money. Your greatest need is Christ. That is your greatest need. And how many know that when you have Christ, you have everything? The disciples gave up their life. They went off the deep end because they got a revelation of what they had. And how many know that when you get a revelation of who Jesus is, you will be satisfied down on the inside? Because there's a lot of people that are looking for satisfaction. There's a lot of people that, 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 that place inside of their heart that that void will never be filled. There's a part of you they cannot be satisfied through the material things of the things of this world. It can only be satisfied through a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what Christmas is all about. How many know that we don't just want to be a present seeker, but we want to be a, a people seeker for the kingdom of God? I wonder what this thing will be like if you if, if we sought for people with the same vigor as we seek for gifts for them. If we if, if we we seek for their their salvation, that, that we're actually out there and we're we're saying, listen, I, I want to tell you about a man. How many know it's Christmas, right? I mean, this is kind of a freebie for this is a great opportunity to go out there and share this love that we have. Got a couple of points I want to talk about. The first one is Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 19.10. says, for the Son of Man, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus, in that one particular phrase, he, 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 he detailed the entirety of his ministry. Jesus did not come primarily to heal physical diseases. Jesus did not come primarily to feed the 5,000, though he did it. Jesus did not come primarily just to make people feel better. How many know that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost? This is, how many know this is everything to Jesus? Everything, everything to him. His ministry was defined by his seeking those who were lost. How many of you today would say, Pastor, I'm a seeker? How many know because, understand something, because you now have been transformed and you are saved, you are believers, those who have accepted Jesus Christ. Do you not know that you are to carry on his ministry, his work? You know, he left us here and he says, you go. And you do? He said, in fact, no, in fact, he said it this way. Greater works will you do because I'm going to the Father. So he expects us to be his representative in the earth. And so what we need to be as we are seeking for gifts, do me a favor. Start seeking for souls. Saying, God, is there an opportunity? I want to share this. How many know that there's hurting people all around you? There's, there are hurting people all around you. And how many know that we need, to get, we, we need to focus on what's really important? I'm all for giving gifts. I love it. I think it's great. But I think that we forget what our calling is. And I know, and I know this is reflected because some of us get mad. How many of you just get downright indignant mad when you can't get what you want to get, a gift? You, you get upset. But if that person that you're getting a gift for, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, the best thing you can give them is an invitation. Let me tell you about a man who changed my life. Let me tell you where I was. Let me tell you how I lived in no hope. I, my marriage was jacked up. My family was messed up. I was on the brink of suicide. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I was hooked on drugs. My life was a wreck. I had no purpose. I didn't know where to go. But let me tell you about a man who gave me hope. Let me tell you about a man who changed my life. Let me tell you about love unconditional. What greater gift can you give than that? People are seeking, but they're seeking all the wrong things because they think that somehow those things will satisfy. But you are the people of God. You know better. You know differently because you have been transformed. 
I like how in the, uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus was criticized for hanging out and eating with sinners. Y'all know about that, right? Uh, how many know that if you're going to be a seeker of them, you, you got to kind of be around to some extent, right? You can't just, you just can't just stay in your little four corners and, 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 and just kind of hope it. How many know you got to engage? The people of God has to engage. Look at the name and say, engage. engage. Jesus didn't just leave you here. He said, pray, you ought to. But after, how many know there's a time to pray and there's a time to get up from praying? Yeah, no, y'all don't want to hear that, do you? There's a time to pray. You got to have it. But then there's a time to work. They both work hand in hand. Here the Pharisees were criticizing Jesus. It says here in Matthew chapter 9, it says here in verse number 10 and 12. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table, look at this, in the house that behold many tax collectors. <laughs> and these were some of the most hated people of that day. Tax collectors. How many love tax collectors? How many love the IRS? No. I didn't think so. And sinners, sinners of all kind, all right? This wasn't a pretty picture. Many tax collectors and sinners, broad range, came and sat down with him and his disciples. Came and hung out with them. Sat down with them. I mean, sat down with holy, righteous Jesus, pure, the Lamb of God, who had no sin in him. What about you? Hmm. The Pharisees saw it. Now, how many know the Pharisees in that day, they were like the religious leaders. They were kind of like the leadership of the church, if, you, if I may add. They, they, they were those who were supposed to teach the people the right way. These were those who were supposed to set the example. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, look at this. Why does your master, your teacher, eat with tax collector and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. How many know Jesus came to call the sick? See, what the Pharisees were interested in doing is they just wanted to have church. Let me show what I mean. See, they just wanted to, they, they, they wanted a, another social club. See, they wanted people that kind of looked like them. Uh, they wanted people that just kind of fit in. And, 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 and they, they had in their mind what it ought to look like. And it, and it, didn't, and it didn't include dirty, filthy sinners. But how many know, in God's kingdom, it included them. Jesus said, I came specifically for them. See, how many know that the church, how many know we got to break down some of these, uh, what would I call it, uh, strongholds about what you think your ministry ought to look like. Hey, first of all, it ain't your ministry. You are called to the ministry to serve the vision that Christ has already set in motion. And he said, I came to call the sick, the hurting, the wounded, the blind, those who are walking in darkness. I came to get them. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they have done. I've come to call the righteous. Maybe sometimes we're not as effective in our evangelism efforts is because we're trying to seek out people that we feel comfortable with. Mm. Perhaps maybe you need to step outside of your comfort zone. And get the ones that nobody else wants. Well, I ain't get a whole lot of amens on that one. You, you know, that's what Jesus, see, Jesus went to the, to the deplorables. Jesus went to the ones that was unlikable. Uh, Jesus went to the ones that everybody else would look at and say, please. He sat down and he ate with them. And watch this. How many know you're supposed to be the same way? The Bible says in Acts 4.12 that there is salvation in none other than Jesus Christ. Christmas is about one Savior, and his name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. <laughs> How many know that God's greatest demonstration of love was sending his son? God's greatest demonstration of love to all mankind. His greatest, the pinnacle of God's love, 
the height of God's love was expressed in Jesus. For God so loved the world, the scripture says, that he gave. And so when the Bible says that there's no other name among heaven given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus, when the Bible says in John 14, 6, that I'm the way, the truth, and the light, no one comes to the Father except through me, we don't say that because we want to offend people. Are y'all hearing me? We don't say it because we want to rub it in people's face. We don't say it because we want to start an argument. We say it because it's true. And it's God's greatest expression of his love, Jesus. And so when Jesus said, I'm the way, he's not saying it in a way to, to, to be disrespectful. He's saying it to say, I'm it. If you follow me, I will take you there. How many know that Jesus will take you there? Do I have any witnesses in the house today? It's wonderful. So why do we need a Savior? Now, this is important. Not for you, because many of you, you're sitting here today, and some of you, you're mature in the Lord. You've heard a lot of this stuff. And, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are driving the street today. They're riding right by us as you're sitting here. They don't know Christ. And they're driving. They're going shopping. You know, they're out, uh, you know, washing their cars. They're out doing, and, and they don't feel a desire to come in the church. Because there are a great many people who don't, under, who don't really, you know, who don't really know or understand why they need a savior. I mean, why do, I mean, if you're talking to somebody out there and, and, and they were to say to you, why do I need to come to church? Why do I need a life change? Why do I need for my heart? I mean, I'm tired. I've been up and down 95 all week. Why do I need, why do I need to change? Why do I need to come to church? Why do I need a life change? Could you confidently stand there and say, let me tell you why. Here's why. I'm going to give you just a couple of verses and you can chew on these and you can use them because I want you to be prepared. Look at the neighbor and say, be prepared. Uh, I was in the Boy Scouts. We used to have a motto. Any Boy Scouts in here? Anybody ever in the Boy Scouts? Boy Scouts are not popular as it used to be. But we used to have this motto, be prepared. How many know God wants you to be prepared? We need a savior because everybody messed up. (laughs) How's that? That's, a, that's Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. Look at the name and say all. Oh. Everybody's a sinner. See, this is why you can't have unhealthy expectation of people because people are messed up. Look, the best of us have sinned. All, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of, of the glory of God. The Bible says there are none good, no, not one. In and of ourselves, how many know all of us are sinners? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How many know sin is ultimately going to lead not only to physical death, watch this church, but spiritual death? This is why we got to be urgent about this. We got to be urgent about this message. Why do we need a savior? Because number two, all of us are going to be judged. We're going to give an account of our sins to God. There are some folks out there today that are believing, even as we're sitting here, they're thinking that once this life is over, that's it, that you just live and you die. How many know the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, then after death comes the judgment. Everybody will have to face God. Everybody. Nobody is exempt from this. The Bible says, look at this, the Bible says in Acts 17 verses 30 and 31, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now God commands all men repent everywhere to repent. Watch this, church. Because he has appointed a day. Everybody say appointed a day. He has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained so watch this, church. Why do people need a savior? Because one day you're going to give an account. There's no, there's no such thing of I'm just going to die and it's going to be over. How many know that, that, that we're going to have to face a holy God? The person that you love, and I, and I say this with, my, with a heavy heart. I don't say this in a braggadocious way. I say this with my heart going out to you. 
that, that the person that you love, the person that you're thinking about, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, perhaps the person that you're planning on buying a gift, perhaps they're your best friend. I don't know the scope of their relationship with you, but if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're going to have to face the judge and give an account for their lives. And you know who the judge is? The judge is Jesus Christ. Who is that man that God has ordained? It's Jesus. All will be judged by Jesus Christ. The Bible says, therefore, God has also highly exalted him. Who is him? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. He has exalted him and given him, Jesus, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Everyone will bow the knee and recognize that Jesus is Lord, whether they want to or they don't. All the haters of Christ, all those, this is why we don't take God's name in vain. This is why I get upset. How many of you get upset when people take the Lord's name in vain? I mean, I get it. Because how many know that God's given him a name that's above every name? And at that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus is going to be the judge. God has appointed him to be the great judge. Jesus says, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. Everybody say his voice. This is why we need a savior because we're going to be judged. We need a savior because without Christ, we will spend eternity in hell. Now, I'm going to pause right there for a moment. When's the last time you heard a sermon on hell? If you heard a sermon on hell within the past year, raise your hand. Wow, it's only a couple. If you heard a sermon within the past couple years, I mean a sermon about hell, raise your hand. Within a couple years. One hand. I remember when I first came to Christ, that one of the things that was instrumental in my coming to Christ, because I had the whole gospel preached to me. How many know it's important to preach the whole gospel? And... And I, one of the things that was very inspirational to me was two things. I knew that I would have to give an account to God and that based on my life that I could spend eternity in hell. I don't know about you, but that scared me because there's no turning back. Now, we live in a generation today, as, as most people, we don't talk about hell. Now, if you go back and you read your Bible in the, book, in the Gospels, Jesus talked about hell a whole lot. I mean, a lot. And, and, and he talked about it because it's reality. See, I believe that in part that this is demonic. Because Satan, the enemy, wants to trick people into thinking that hell don't exist. Because if hell doesn't exist, I can just kind of do what I want to do. But, but the, I mean, let me read a verse to you. This is just one verse. There are so many I could have read, but I'm just going to read one. Revelation 20, verses 13 through 15 says this. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades deliver up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life, the book of life is those who confess faith in Jesus Christ, was cast into the lake of fire. How many know that love compels us to tell people the truth? That as an eternal, this is a place that, that you cannot come back. There are no second chances. It's not like, oh God, I changed my mind. No, it's appointed unto man once to die. After death comes judgment. And perhaps a lot of people are not responding to the gospel because they, they, they are believing some kind of a made up gospel by man that, that, that preaches kind of real nice rosy thing. How many know the only rosiness about the gospel is Christ? And him crucified. Now, the ticket is Christ out. I mean, the ticket is Jesus. Jesus, how I many know Jesus, Jesus paid to send that? Why, why else do we need a savior? Because Jesus paid the debt. Jesus, listen, Jesus did it so that he paid our sin debt. How I many know that when he hung on that cross, he died. Every one of our sins was nailed up there with him. Everything you did, it doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how much drug you did, how much immorality you did. It don't matter how much crime you it doesn't matter. How many know that when you come to Christ, it's under the blood? 
He forgives you of everything. He wipes the slate completely clean as if you never sinned a day in your life. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. Jesus did that. So that's why we tell you, if you're saved, you don't have to dwell in your past. Paul said, I forget those things which are behind. I'm pressing on now to what's ahead because what's behind me is behind me. And you need to look at them. Somebody want to remind you of your past, remind them of their, your future, and tell them, say, look, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. Don't try to bring up what I used to do. It's under the blood. How many know Jesus will wipe not only your sin, but he'll wipe your conscience clean? Look, come on, you ought to give him praise for that. Doesn't matter what you did. Jesus died so that you wouldn't, so that a person wouldn't have to go to hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't created for you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anybody perish, but that all come to a knowledge of the truth. That's why this earth is still kicking. That's why we're still here. That's the only thing that's holding Jesus back is his love for people. Because he don't want them to go there. And, and if, if, listen, church, if we want to be effective in sharing the gospel, tell them the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Don't give them bits and pieces. Because how many know it's the gospel that saves? The gospel. So we got to give them the whole truth. Because how many know when, when you know that there's judgment on the other side and you got to be accountable, how many know it might change your action? I'm, I'm, I remember my mother, my, my dad used to do this all the time. He used to, he used to take that thing, man, that little thing called a paddle, and he, the board of education, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, and, and, and my parents, you know, when, when, when I was acting up and I wanted to act stupid, you know, what they, they, they was like, uh, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. And how many know that that caused me to get straightened out really quick? Some of you know what I'm talking about, but I, I don't want to get in trouble. I, I, I don't, I don't want to. No, 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 no. I don't want that. How many know this is real business? People need a savior because without Christ, they're going to hell. I know that is harsh, but I challenge anybody to tell me it's not biblical. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place that people can't come back from. That's why we got to be urgent. That's why I don't want you to spend this Christmas season thinking that the best gift you can give somebody is a nice pair of jeans or an Xbox. No, the best gift you can give people is Christ and to see them transform. How many of you get excited when people's lives get transformed? Boy, that gets me going. It's like, God, Lord, I, that's great. That's what it's all about. And Jesus, Jesus made it all possible. So in closing, come on up, brother. In closing, let me say this. What can we do to make Christmas more impactful and meaningful? Watch this. I want you to take time for yourself. I know it sounds, sounds odd to say that, but when I say take time for yourself, I want you to take time. Spend time in worship and thanks to God for his salvation, for saving you. How many know that the more you think about God's goodness towards you, it might encourage you to share with somebody else? So take time and reflect on the Christmas story. Take time and think about, it. you know, this is wonderful because we have an opportunity every year and we can just go back and see all the great, just reading the Christmas story, what God did to bring his son into a sinful world. All the sacrifice, Jesus came down. God, God himself came down in the form of his son so that he can bring us back to himself. That's a wonderful story. But not only is that a story, that is a true story. It is the truth. I want you to pray for the salvation of your family and friends. Pray. Everybody say pray. Jesus says that no man can come unto him unless the Father draws him. There are a lot of people that are not responding to the gospel simply because their heart haven't been pricked yet by the Holy Ghost. But how many know that a lot of times, and I can say for myself, I heard the gospel a lot of times preached to me when I was in my rebellion. But there's one particular time when nobody was talking to me that God just spoke to me in a dark place. And all the seeds that had been planted in my heart, suddenly God opened my heart and I realized I needed to get right with God. Let me tell you the reason why I believe that happened because somebody was praying for me. 
I remember I used to laugh at my mother when she used to be at the altar and she'd be praying in the Holy Ghost and I used to laugh at her as a kid. <laughs> you thought it was funny. And look at me today. <laughs> God got me. How many know the prayers of the righteous availeth much? So you pray. You, look, don't just make a list to shop and buy gifts. Make a list for somebody to, get, to, to share the gospel with. Give a list to God. Say, so God, touch these people. Touch my neighbor. Touch my friend. God, open their hearts to receive. I intend on going, God. I'm going to share your love. God, open their heart. I want to do it. How many know the Holy Spirit will honor that prayer? But we got to be seekers. Everybody say, be a seeker. And then we got to preach the word. Through regular conversation, through interaction, preach through media. Christmas cards are great. I give out Christmas cards, but make sure you, make sure you try to get Christmas cards that, that, that gives a message. Take, a, take, take advantage of an opportunity and, and, and give a message, something that will point people to Christ. They have many cards out there. It's an opportunity for you. Use, use your media. Use Facebook. Use Twitter. Use these things in this seat to point people to Christ. And I want you to give this year with a spiritual focus. Give with a spiritual focus. What I simply mean by that is don't just give people what they want. Give them what they need. <laughs> Giving to the poor and the hungry and the needy is, is always a good thing. That's what we want to do, right? That's what God called us to do. But we got to Make sure that there's a spiritual emphasis to it because we love them too much to let them go into a place where the fire is not quenched and where there's torment. We love them too much and we're not going to allow it to happen. So the greatest gift you have, church, is salvation. That's it. The greatest gift. All you, all you have to do is go share it. This is what will make Christmas special is that you can come up here one day and you can say, Pastor, I want to share a testimony. I got a testimony of what God did because I shared this wonderful love, this wonderful message of hope and love. I'm going to have Sean. Come on up here, Sean Preston. Come on up here. You knew it was coming. I want to keep rolling the tape. Hallelujah. Come on, give Sean a hand as he comes. Come on up here, right at the top. Come on up here. I'm going to get this microphone. I have, I have yellow. Now, everything that we do, we do. Everything that we do, we do because we want to see people impacted through the gospel. And when people's lives are transformed through the gospel, that's what makes it all worth it. Many of us know we know Sean. Sean has been going through a series of struggles. He's very, you talk to him, Sean is very open about what he goes through. But we talked this week and he shared some things with me. And I heard him speak in a way that I've never, and I've known Sean now for maybe three, four years. And I've never heard him speak the way that he spoke. But I knew when, when, when Sean was going through all the different things that he was going through, I remember how many of us who've been here, we were just praying, believing God, praying and believing God. I remember Shannon praying. And believe in God. We're here a consecration week on our faith. Praying, believe in God. Praying, believe in God. I want you to hear from Sean's mouth. And I told Sean I want him to condense this within five minutes. And uh, so it's going to be hard for him to do that. But importantly, I want you to understand why we do what we do. Good morning. Well, good afternoon. Um, yeah, we, we, we want you to. Yeah, you is, right. it, is it on? Testing, testing. There you go. I need to speak right into it. Come on. All right. Yeah. Good morning, y'all. Um, I'm, I'm gonna try to keep it as short as possible, but I, I'm filled with so much that I can't really contain myself. Um, 
we're gonna start from the beginning, um, from from day one. You know, I had a real bad troubled childhood with my parents and stuff, uh, and I was sent away. I was sent away, and I was blessed to go to a place called Pine West Country Life School that Kathy Hughes runs. Uh, the, uh, the lady personality for radio, she also got TV One Viacom, and so I didn't do right there. So they sent me home, of course, and so I came back home to my I came back home to my family, and uh, I was uh, taken out of that situation again. I was uh, adopted, me and my brother, and um, by a great woman, Susan Kidd, a very a Channel 4 anchor lady who runs the DC News here for like 20, 30 years. And of course, I got there, didn't do right. I ended up going um, to a boy's home. So I, I spent my whole teenage life there in the boy's home. And, um, you know, it just, I just, just, just couldn't get right. I just couldn't get right, no matter what I did or, you know, whatever. I just thought I was forgotten about. I thought I wasn't loved. Uh, I thought God, had to, you know, he just wasn't with me. I knew he was there for me, he created me, but he just wasn't with me. And I was one of the people that he just wasn't with. And that's just the way I live my life. And that's the attitude I have with everything and everybody and every possession. I just didn't appreciate it. You know, I didn't appreciate myself that much. So then, um, you know, I met my wife. We had our children. And I went into the military. I loved it. And then um, they had they had to act, didn't get no act right again, you know, and uh, and and you know, they took my weapon from me and they put me on a, a desk job for the last nine months and told me that they want to let me reenlist. Still got out with an honorable, but I wasn't qualified to do what I was trained to do. So then, you know, I came on the military, you know, and and then again, you know, I started this loveless career. I still learned how to drive trucks, and I loved it, and you know, I was great at it. And we started a business, and it was successful. But then again. I did what I wanted to do. And, and it just kept on falling and I kept on failing. And um, then I went to a, a, a real bad period after I lost my um my company. And um and I was just I was just lost. I was very lost. So that's a 10-year stretch right there. I'm gonna jump you forward now. And so my wife lost her job back in May. And um and I just cried out to the Lord. I said, God, what what now? I'm like, what? I'm, I'm trying, I'm doing my best. Well, what's up? And um, of course I had no answer. And um, then I then I wrecked the van. I'm like, oh my goodness, and here we go again. You know, I'm, I'm really getting you the condensed version. You know, I can go into detail on many things, but this is a very condensed version. And so, make a long story short, I said, God, I give up. I just gave up. I said, God, I, I give up. You know, I, I just give up. I don't know what to do. I ain't know what to pray for. I didn't know where to look. I just knew I was tired. And I said, God, I need you. I said, I don't know how I need you, but I need you. I need you to do something. And so um, a couple days went past, and I started reflecting on everything. I reflected from my, my parents and, you know, molestation. Uh, when I was taken from my home, the school that I was sent to uh, in Mississippi, and I thought about me being adopted and I thought about me getting arrested I thought about me being in the military and you know and all these things was I, I felt a restriction I felt that I wasn't able to do me and, and I was angered and, and God showed me something he said son I was always there I said huh and you know I'm having a conversation with God like I was there I said you was not there he said didn't I take you from the situation did I protect you did I replace you? You chose to do what you want to do, but I gave you a way out. Each time he gave me a way out. Amen. He showed me he loved me. Amen. 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 And once I came to the understanding that he loved me and he was always with me, my world changed. I mean, my attitude changed. Lord Jesus. Woo! I know nobody got to tell me. Nobody has to remind. I know he loves me. I, I, I know. This is not a shadow of doubt. No matter what happens tomorrow or at the next minute, if he don't, if I fall off the face of the earth and then leave here, I, I know he had me. You know, at all times. You know, even when you know I was, I was, I was kicking the dog and disrespecting my wife and running out on my children. You know, and just just out there, he still protected me. You know, you know, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I died last year. But guess what? I'm still here. You know, um, 
Uh, you know, I, I've been in institutions uh, of many types, but I'm still here. And, you know, and, and, and I'm just like, I just, I'm just so, so, so filled with just, just peace. You know, I believe this, that I'm a reminder to anyone who will hear me talk of God's real grace. You know, you know, and, and so I'm about, I'm about to cut it short. So when I realized how much he loved me, I, I learned how to love back unconditionally. And um, my, my attitude just totally changed. Food tastes different. Uh, the shows look different. You know, I'm sitting there and I heard this wind flapping the other day. And it was like this wind. It's like, it's like, a, like a light helicopter noise. And I look up and it was like a, a swarm of geese just flying in a formation. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> I've seen that a million times, bro. I was like, shock! You know, it's just little things like that. And um, and so, so once I came to that understanding, I opened my Bible. And I started reading my Bible. I didn't know where to go. And I just kept on going to, I, I went to what was taught to me by my parents and by my wife and by my grandmother and by pastor. So I went to people I could think of, because I don't know nothing about no Bible. So I went to Moses. Then I went to David, you know, and then and then and then, and then I went to Paul. Paul's my guy, by the way. So I went to Paul, you know, and then I went back to Jesus, and they all had one thing in common. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna tell you what they had in common, you know. Before I would tell you about the miracles, I'm gonna tell you about the, the the person they were. They was all mentally incapable men. They was murderers. They was thieves. You know, they was had pain of thorn in their flesh and in their mind. All of them. You know, they had no courage. But God only told me to do one thing. He said, listen to me. Do as I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. He asked nobody to do nothing crazy. Just He gave these men strength. He gave these men knowledge. He gave these men wisdom. And he gave these men determination. But he kept their sickness. And he kept their pain in their flesh for a reason, for they, they, they will have an understanding of his grace. So when you change the way you start thinking about things, and you get there and you, you're crying and you're mad and you're frustrated about what you don't have, that's just a reminder when you do get something good that God did that. You didn't do that. As long as you keep that attitude that God provides all. He gives you the strength and he gives you the ability to make that money. He gave you the strength and the ability to go play that ball. You know, but the key word, he gave it to you. So he reminds us of daily situations that, 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 that he is in control. If we choose not to realize that, that's on us. But once we truly understand that he has given all, oh my God, you will praise different. You, you, you will talk different. You will look different. It, it, it will ooze out of you. I cannot help it. I will tell everybody. I will. I will preach to the world because this man, has, this man got me, and, and I'm not letting go. So, um, thank you for bearing with me. I, you know, I'm just so excited. I'm so. I, I have so much more I want to share. Uh, a quick, one more quick thing. Two, two more quick things, real quick. All right. So, I, 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 after. He gave me these men as an example. I'm like, I'm not that bad. <laughs> you know, if he did it with them, yo, he could do wonders with me. You know, and because these ladies made to move nations, not people. Mm. Not, a, not a city, not a town. Nations. Mm. Yo, he had Paul in a church talking in foreign languages. I ain't talking about tongues, foreign languages for other people to understand them. Mm. You know, stuff like that. I'm like, whoa, he can do that? Like, yeah, yeah, he can. And so, um, and I, all right, so I start my day off, and I think about this entire all the time, you know, praise and worship. But I have learned from my understanding, praise and worship is how you live your life. Mm. It's just not a song that you put on to get to, 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 to get an emotion. If it's only emotion, that's temporary. Your emotions will misguide you. But when you start practicing worship as an activity of your lifestyle, it comes out the way you talk. It comes out the way you walk. You know, it is not you sitting there hitting, you know, the Kiki, Kiki Shepherd show or, you know, Don McClurgan or Kirk Franklin. It's not just, it's that, that's just a piece of it. Mm. But when you got a full worship and, and praise, it, it, it's everything you do. Wow. And also when it comes to um, a stewardship, I, for a long time, I thought about money. This is a rented vessel, y'all. 
God has given me a rental. And in life, like most people, we go run a car and we just, we ride that suction wheel fall off. We hop on the highway, we go 100 miles an hour. But that was not the purpose of us renting that vehicle. And that was not the purpose that God gave us this vessel as a rental. So practicing true stewardship is the way you do everything, just not your finances. It's the way you value your time. It ain't about how much you could do in an hour. It's about the effectiveness of what you can make in that hour. And that's in everything you do. It's the quality of life, not the quantity of life. And I have learned that. I'm not eager to take over the world in an hour. I'm not. I can't. And I won't. I won't stress myself out. But what I do do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. Behold, everything is new. Sean, thank you so much for sharing that. That's what it's all about. God is working in him. He's not perfect, but we see the move of God working in him. And what God is doing to him, he can do in every one of you here. If you're sitting here today in your life, I want everybody to remain standing. And you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm not talking about just a, I'm talking about a life where you said, I am sick. I am tired of trying to do this on my own. This is why Jesus died. He says, come unto me, all you labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly at heart. You will find rest to your souls. You're sitting here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm just tired. I'm tired of trying to do this. I'm just tired. I, I want to. Sean, he says something. He said, I came to a point. He says, I just, I'm finished. But when he said that, life just begun for him. That's when it took off. Some of you right now, life is at the door. You're saying in your spirit, I'm finished. God's been waiting for you to say, I'm finished. If that's you this morning, and you haven't given your life to him, I want to give you an opportunity to come up here, not to embarrass you, but everybody Jesus ever called, he called him out publicly. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. This is about, uh, this is the most important decision a person can ever make is about their eternal destiny. Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to die and spend eternity away from him. If you don't know him today as savior, I'm not talking about whether you came to church. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship. Say, Pastor, I, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I'm tired. I'm ready to go. Just, just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. There's one. There's one who said, "I just, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm ready to go all the way with Jesus." 